Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast presented by Bet Online. Make sure to head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your first bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sports bet online where the game starts. So I'm really excited about today's episode. Tommy Joe isn't here with us today, but we got a very special guest because some brief history on that. My first ever sit down interview and back in, I think it would have been like February of 2020, right before uh, all the craziness started uh, on my Instagram. It was like an Instagram live, I think uh, that we did me, me and you, Josh, but Anyways, we have our great guest here, Josh Rium, and you have been in the news lately as well. I know a lot's changed since when we last talked in February. I, I've I've definitely went through a lot of changes with what I've been doing. I got a show now that I'm doing, and you are part of the NASCAR Cup Series, so we can talk about that first. I mean, how has the last few weeks been, the, the next-gen testing, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I guess first, thanks for having me on, and congratulations. You've done an amazing job of growing all your profiles and, and you've been doing some exciting stuff. So thanks for allowing me to be part of it. But um, yeah, the next, next gen stuff cup series, whew, it's, uh, it's been a lot of work. I'll say that much. Um, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of work, but it was also extremely gratifying to get to go to the Roval test. And we had, we had some issues as can be expected with the new car. Um, but we had a lot of speed out of the gate. And um, I think that was, surprising to a lot of people and definitely I think eye-opening in a lot of ways on just how this new car is going to um, level the playing field so um, it was really exciting super gratifying like I said and we're really excited about everything that we have in the works and you as a team owner NASCAR I mean when I first had heard about everything that was going on and what was probably going to happen for 2022 and I mean I immediately thought just awesome for for you and everything you've done for I mean the truck series is the most memorable thing for most fans when they think of you know Rion brothers racing and what you guys have done down there and now kind of jumped in the xfinity series as well this year uh for some races and i i just think me personally i just think it's really cool to see uh the the jump and the partnerships that already you know you guys have been able to build uh to make this team in the cup series and the drivers as well i really love the the driver selections there um, that we'll get to see the track in 2022 and got to see the track uh, at the Charlotte Roval for the test. So, I mean, as far as you as a, as a team owner, when, when you look back and kind of how all this got started, I mean, this is probably just another chapter, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't think, I mean, for sure, I think I want to be involved in the sport for a long time. So I'd be lying if I said that I didn't think of myself as being a part of an ownership group um, in the cup series, but I didn't really anticipate that it would happen so quickly, but, um, the Hesmans have been really fantastic to work with and the opportunity just sort of, just sort of arose. And I think, um, I think at the end of the day, they saw an opportunity in our sport that 
may never may, may never exist again, or at least in the immediate future. Um, with more of a spec car, it, it really is a reset. And you know, in five years, everybody's going to have a lot of experience with this thing, and and uh, the learning curve will be really great. So for a new team to jump in, it'll be challenging. But I think for them, they saw that opportunity. And then when we started connecting and, and chatting and stuff, I think they saw they saw my drive and my ambition in the sport. And um, they had some some pretty we had some pretty aggressive uh, uh, deadlines. It was it was very involved to get to the robo test. Um, I don't know the general fan probably wouldn't understand, but the the, the supply and the supply and demand on these parts for these spec cars has just been brutal and NASCAR has been trying to do a fan. They've been doing a fantastic job at it, but in an effort to keep everything fair so that one team doesn't end up with components that they can start working on and figuring out beforehand, they actually wait until there's enough parts for everybody to receive one round of parts. So it, your parts trickle in so slowly because of that, that it's, and sometimes they trickle in and, and you have a part that you can't really install on the car until, you know, you have several other parts beforehand. So it's, um, it was brutal, man. We were like, we did the test, what we did the test Monday, Tuesday, and there were parts that we were receiving on Friday that were not, um, not like a five minute bolt on type process. Like it was fairly involved to get those on there. So. Yeah. I know a lot of teams were scrambling, uh, just to get there. Like you had just said, and I know for people that, uh, may not, you know, know the ins, ins and outs of the sport as much, or even people that are just getting into the sport being new for 2021 or 2022, kind of like kind of describe, you know, the best way that you can, uh, the approach for a team like yours and Hesman's compared to a team like, you know, Hendrick motorsports, because everybody, everybody's, you know, getting a new car, everybody's learning. Um, but there's a lot of different approaches I feel like, um, that are going to happen next year for all these teams with the new car. So kind of, you know, and, and the best way you could describe the difference maybe between an approach from your team and what you guys are going to, you know, try to accomplish next year compared to, you know, one of the teams that have been established for, for a long time in the cup series, although everyone has a new car. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I think for us, actually, we have a really unique opportunity right now because our feedback loop is basically non-existent. And like, like the term feedback loop, right? Like if, if I look at something on our next gen car and I feel like it needs to happen or it'll make it faster, like sometimes I'm the person who implements it, like bolts it on. Other times I'm going directly to somebody and it's like, this is what we're going to do, execute it. Whereas with these bigger organizations, there um, so many steps along the way that they can't, I, I believe they can't iterate as quickly as we can. And I think that our team being a small truck team, we've never had the luxury of having chassis that were all identical or bodies that were all identical or suspension components that were all identical. So we've very much become um, in tune with adapting and, and having to, to build things and make things work. And and very quickly. So I think with this new car, I think part of the reason why we had some success right out of the bat um, or right out of the gates with speed was just because um, we could, we could execute things so quickly. Um, we don't have a big parts purchasing department or anything like that. So, so for us, um, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things that could easily be overlooked. And I think with bigger organizations, 
let me try to give you an example. So if, if you looked at a steering rack, for example, a lot of people were having issues with the steering rack at the test. The, the gentleman that bolted the steering rack on, it probably wasn't his job to read the owner's manual on the steering rack. But in our case, it was our job to read that owner's manual. So, and I'm not saying that this is the case, right? But we had no steering issues. But I think that removal of just the feedback loop is just so tight with us that I think it, it, it's really benefited us. So as far as my expectations for next year and how we're gonna approach things, we are gonna be super aggressive with this thing. Like we have things that we learned at the test that we know we can improve on and we know will make us faster and will make us faster with changes and uh, allow us to execute things better at the racetrack and at the shop because it's so unique and so different the way you set it up the way you jack it up the way you put it on jack stands there's so many new things with this car um, we're going to be really aggressive when we think of something we're just going to go ahead and ex execute it and i think that if we continue to do that at a high rate of speed i think that we can um, keep ourselves um, competitive um, for the immediate future. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, partnerships and things like that. And, you know, when running the truck series, you could run different manufacturers sometimes and, and things like that. And now in the cup series, you guys will, pair, will be paired with Ford. And what does that mean to, you know, have a specific manufacturer, you know, Ford performance that you guys will be able to work with? Yeah. So Ford was super awesome. Um, everybody at Roush Yates was uh, uh, really, really helpful. And they made it very clear when we started our conversations that their desire was to help our group be successful in the cup series. And, um, and yeah, we would not have made it to the test if it was not for their assistance on various things. So um, super, super thankful for that and, and excited too, right? I mean, the cup series is a big deal. Like you run in the truck series and it's a high level of professional stock car racing. Then you go to the, the, the NASCAR cup series and, you literally are in the pinnacle, the very highest level of professional soccer racing. So whether it's the manufacturers or, or the sponsors, you're, 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 at, you're at the top echelon there. So things are taken on a, on a very different level, um, which, is, which is surprising actually for me too, like, like just how much of a bigger deal things are in the Cup Series when I'm accustomed to racing, you know, Friday or Saturday night to that show. Now it's like, it's a different deal. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be very crazy next year for sure. And I know one of the drivers that you guys have tagged, you know, tagged on is, is Loris Hesemans. And a lot of people, you know, are curious as to, you know, his, his past and what he's done in racing. And he's, he's done a lot. And Loris is as a young driver as well, and kind of, you know, elaborate on what Loris is going to mean, you know, to the team next year. And obviously being a, you know, Wheeling Euro series champion 2019. Um, he has a lot, you know, to be credited with, and now he's going to be a NASCAR cup series driver. I just think that's a really awesome story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been, he's been fantastic to work with. Um, really enjoyed getting to know him more and definitely some terminology, uh, uh, issues, I guess you could say that just coming from Europe, there's, there's been some growing pains that I'm not accustomed to with, with, uh, you know, maybe rookie drivers within the sport of NASCAR, but Loris is a really talented race car driver that became very clear at the test. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, his feet, his feedback's really good and, and I'm really excited to get to work with him. And he actually, um, this is kind of an interesting, uh, side note right here. So in going to the next gen test, 
he had to run the Xfinity race to get his clearance. And in doing so, he missed a round of the NASCAR Euro Series. And he was the points leader going into that. And he was basically approaching it as if he was going to have to give up his chance at the championship in order to pursue his cup career, um, which he decided to do that. Well, ironically enough, his competitors didn't have good races. So uh, the end of the month, he's actually going to go to the, the finale in the uh, Euro series and he still has the points lead. So um, things worked out for him pretty good there. So maybe he'll be a two-time NASCAR Euro series champion before he, he gets to focus his efforts in the cup series. Yeah, that'll be that'll be so cool. I've enjoyed watching him make his you know Xfinity Series debut this season, or Xfinity Series starts this season uh, that he's been able to make. And I know as far as the schedule, you know, for next year goes, there's been a few changes in the Cup Series schedule, but you know the expected belief is that we'll have practice and qualifying in some way for these NASCAR Cup events. And you know, as you guys as team owners and and running the team, how how are you going to approach you know which races? you guys want to enter which races you guys want to compete with is it going to pe- depend more on you know partnerships and and drivers or kind of a mix of both or what you guys prepare for as a team or you everyone's still kind of figuring that out um yeah we're, we're trying to figure some stuff out on the go a little bit but um we don't want to put the cart before the horse we yeah. want to be competitive more than we want to. so we don't have a charter right so that was a conversation early on is do we want to try to pursue getting a charter? And we opted not, even though there were some conversations there, we opted not even to really be interested in it because we want to have the ability to pick and choose our races and be competitive and grow this uh, at the right rate of speed that it can have success and that we don't have silly mistakes that are just part of running too many races with too, too little equipment, too little people, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so our focus right now, Loris is going to be cleared to run um, road courses. So we're going to focus on running Loris at all the road courses, which I believe the first one is Coda, which is exciting. Um, and then we have intentions to run the date or attempt to run the Daytona 500, run the duels and try to make it in. And as we put deals together, then we'll look at going to some mobile track races um, and uh kind of try to work the team up the ladder as Loris works up the ladder as well with his clearance. Um, so yeah, we're probably looking at about, I would say 10 to 12 races next year. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And I know you had mentioned also before that you kind of think the, the Xfinity series program might still run on like a part-time ish scale. Uh, with Rayon brothers racing you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, so so we're not a hundred percent sure what we're gonna do next year with all of that. I if I if I had to bet right now, I would say we're gonna go scale back to one truck team full time. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of inventory there. So I feel like the truck series, it is a proven fact that the truck series is ultra competitive right now. And it will only get more competitive next year with everything that I'm hearing in the works with the teams that are expanding. I don't really know of any team that's competitive team that's scaling back um i feel like we need to go to one truck focus our efforts very uh very hard on one truck and um and then i would like to uh i would like to attempt the first couple xfinity races and see how the points shake out we've built up some cars we have the inventory we have the personnel to do it and i think that if you know we're intelligent about everything if we go to one truck 
and we're able to have some success early on in the Xfinity series, maybe we'll make a run full time in Xfinity. Um, if not, then we'll probably just run 10 to 15 races in Xfinity and then focus on our cup stuff as well. But I think a mixture of all three series can be quite healthy for our team and, um, and be, just be a good balance, right? I mean, with the schedules the way they are, it's hard to tell right now, but if the garage times don't conflict, um, we, we can execute all three series in a weekend, no problem. And I'm a firm believer that um, this sport's all about people. We have a great group of guys. We have a great road crew, and they work well together. And I think if we can carry those guys from trucks to Xfinity to Cup, all we're going to do is just get better and better and better the more we work with one another. So um, that's an exciting, that's an exciting thing. Yeah. I can't wait for the future. And and I want to look back on this past year as well, as far as, you know, the truck team, because I feel like you guys have done a lot of great things in the truck series with the truck program and the drivers you brought along and the opportunities you presented. You've had some great runs with guys like, you know, Lawless Allen and, and Cameron Lawrence coming along at Coda and getting you, I believe it was, it was a seventh place qualifying run there. Six, six. six. That, was, uh, that was a highlight of the year for sure. Yeah. We were proud of that. That was awesome. But yeah, you guys have had a lot of great runs in the truck series some good finishes as well. I know you had a pretty solid finish on the dirt, even though everybody tore up all their stuff there. I know it was probably still a good feeling to come home with, with a good finish, even though the truck might've been a little messed up, but how has the year been, you know, in the truck series, I know we're looking forward to, to next year, 2022 and what that's going to look like, but uh, what, what have you been able to take away from, uh, from this year's truck season? Yeah, yeah, no, we've had a great year in trucks. Um, probably the thing that I, I'm most proud of is the diversity that we've had um, behind the wheel um, and, and working on the cars. I, I really pride myself in creating opportunities for, for people. And we've had, we've had women drive for us. We've had African-Americans. We've had active duty military. We've had um, retired military. Um, we had Armani Williams, who's... Um, diagnosed with autism drive our car at gateway um so we've had an incredible amount of diversity we've had um Akinori Ogata came back again and run some races with us this year which is really cool and um part of that too that was really awesome this year that, that was just a lot of fun was Marcus Simonis stepping up and yeah. um giving drivers an opportunity that would not normally have gotten it and with our team that works so well because we had drivers that we were working with and had been working with in some cases for over a year to find funding. And we had found some, but it just wasn't enough to make it happen. And the Marcus thing pushed it over the edge to where we could execute and, and could put these people behind the wheel. And um, that was so much fun because now I can look back at it and I look at who drove our race cars. And, um, and that was just so cool to create those opportunities and um, really, um, in, in some cases make some, some real dreams come true. So that, so that was really cool. Um, and then, and then we did have some, some really strong runs too, you know, um, Jake Griffin at the dirt, um, the dirt race, he had a great race going at Bristol before he cut a valve stem, but then we went to, um, Knoxville there and, and he had a, he had a great run going, um, thought we were out of it and, uh, and came back and still had a good result with a tore up truck. So, um, so, so that was good. And, um, yeah, Lala Fallon had some, had some really good races with us and Cameron Lawrence, obviously at, at Coda did a, did a fantastic job. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a really, uh, it's been a really gratifying year in the truck series, just seeing the team grow. And, um, like I said, 
just it was a lot of fun to create some opportunities for some people that you know i i, I think this is a fact i could we need to check but my, my truck team probably had more drivers in each one of those truck numbers than I, we probably have more uh, yeah we'd have to look at the stats of that but it's probably pretty interesting yeah. we had a lot of different drivers this year and yeah. we probably utilized the marcus limona stuff and had camping world and sam's club um on our trucks more than anybody else so that was that was also really cool oh yeah there were a lot of great a lot of great schemes out there too i know you guys had some some great fresh paint out there on the race so track. that so and that's a great point too i'm glad you mentioned that because you made me think of it so that was a whole nother side of it that i didn't really understand as much but there are some super passionate designers out there on social media and it was also super cool with the marcus stuff in particular to allow those designers to come up with designs marcus would gravitate towards it say he liked it and then we would turn it into reality and that was just super cool because they were just they were so over the top they were so happy about getting to see that come true and and yeah that was that was super that was super exciting for us so hopefully hopefully we can do some more of that in the future um we've built some really great relationships with some um some really uh talented in in most cases high school students um that are really really good and really passionate about designing schemes yeah, I, I really felt like that whole deal with Marcus Limonis was able to just bring so many different people together as far as, you know, the smaller race teams and his self and his businesses. And yeah, you mentioned the designers that were just out there waiting, uh, you know, for, for something to happen. And they, you know, make these schemes for, for the teams because there was a lot of there was a lot of schemes that needed to be made at some points. So I think Las Vegas was the one that had the most. I think there was not nine or ten of those trucks out there at least and and there were so many different designers that made so many unique schemes you wouldn't think you could be able to make so many unique schemes of of camping world and it was and they all looked awesome and, and your team was was a big part of that as well you guys had a lot of a lot of camping world and, and good sam uh schemes out there and just you know real quick how how important are just partnerships basically and obviously that was a huge one you know uh, during the truck series season that I think really created a great story, especially for the smaller teams, but partnerships really, you know, fuel NASCAR, um, and, you know, especially in, in today's time. So how important is it to just be able to get deals together and deals like that together, especially with Marcus Limonis and, and just be able to connect everybody like that? Yeah, for sure. So it's all about bringing value to your partners, right? Like we're all passionate about the sport. We're passionate about about race cars and whether we're driving, driving them, working on them or, or whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it takes money to make it happen. So um, at some level, somebody has to go to the drawing board and they have to find ways to, to create value for um, these corporate partners. And we're, we're super happy to have ours. Um, and, and a shout out to them. You know, we got resource material handling, Leverack, Motorsport Safety Group, Colonial Countertop, um, islandnet.com we get we have a number of different partners and this is one thing that i really pride myself with my team and it's something that i really desire to continue to grow is that we have a lot of associate partners that help offset our truck program so when there is a driver that has some funding that we feel like has some talent and we want to create an opportunity for them we we can work with them and we can work with the relationships that, that they have and the network that we have that we've built as far as the, you know, trying to get a product in a box store, whatever it is. And, and that's a side of the sport that I've really, has really grown on me in the probably last 18 months or so that I've really enjoyed getting to be a part of some of these deals. Um, but that's, that's, that's a vision for our team too, right? Is that we 
at some point, and I think it happened somewhere around um, the last, um, I'm trying to think, probably 2000 and whenever the economy crashed there, right? A lot of driver development programs went away. And I think at that point, it kind of flipped. And I can't say this for certain because I wasn't super intimately involved with the sport at that time. I was more racing go-karts and getting my feet wet in formula cars. But it flipped and it has become more of the driver's responsibility to find the partners and bring them to the table. And what's happened is that you don't always have talent in the cars. And the teams are not in a position necessarily to go and select a driver that they feel like is talented and has an opportunity or a background or a story or whatever it is, because it's more than just talent behind the wheel. In my opinion, there's a lot more to just driving a race car that it goes into being a race car driver. But with our team, it's really a desire to build up our corporate sponsorship base to where we can provide opportunities to drivers um, and throw it back into the team's hands where drivers aren't calling us, we're calling drivers and saying, hey, we want you to come and drive for us. And the sport's changing with that a little bit. Some of the stuff that Tommy Joe's involved with, I think is, is like heirs to that side. Um, and that's really yeah. awesome to see. That's super, super cool. Yeah, exactly. And and that kind of leads me to one of the questions that I usually like to, to wrap up with with the guests. And Tommy Joe, this is usually the question Tommy Joe asks, so I'll ask it for him. But he likes, he likes to ask the guests, you know, in, in the next, I'd say, four to five years, you know, yourself, whether it's as a team owner or anything else in the sport, you know, what, what, where would you want to be in the next four or five years? What are your goals you want to accomplish? And, and what would you, what would make you feel good about, you know, the past, you know, if saying in four to five years, if looking back on what you've done, like what, what are the goals you want to accomplish kind of in that, in that time span or beyond? In five years, I want to be in the Bahamas with my toes buried in the sand. <laughs> the beer in my hand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that'd be a nice vacation, but um, I, I don't know. That's, 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 a, that's a tough question. I'm figuring out now. I'm 30. I just turned 31 this month, so I'm kind of figuring out that I'm, I'm this. I have a very like tenacious um, personality, I guess, and I kind of like aim for the moon and land on Mars and <laughs> when I land on Mars or, or, or sorry, aim for Mars, land on the moon. I land on the moon. That's a great accomplishment. And don't really think about it because I still want to get to Mars. And when I get close to Mars, I'm like, oh, let's go to Pluto. So I, I'm, I'm still young. Um, I'm very ambitious and um, I, I work a lot of hours and I have kind of the mentality there that I can, I get twice as far as anybody else. I work twice as many hours and I'm efficient about what I do. So um, I definitely don't want to be bound by NASCAR. Um, there's other areas of motor racing that I want to be involved in. And, um, actually if it wasn't for the pandemic, I think we would have jumped into some F3, F2 stuff actually. Wow. Um, but the pandemic threw a wrench in some of that. So, um, I do not want to, uh, be confined by just NASCAR's realm. Um, my desire is to be much more broad than that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it takes us, but I think in, this is our fourth this is our fourth year or my fourth year of owning a truck team. And we now race two trucks full-time part-time Xfinity and we're now going into cups. So that's a lot to have happen in four years. So we'll see what we can do in another four. Right. Yeah, exactly. And when all that had happened, me and Tommy Joe, cause we, you know, the episode recorded last week, that was the first episode after the announcement 
uh, of the team, the cup series. And we were really excited. And he had mentioned how, how excited he was uh, for you as well. So I can get to relay that message to you. If you, if you haven't gotten to speak with him already, he was really excited for that. Happy for you guys, happy for the whole organization and excited for 2022. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate you passing that along. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And looking forward to uh, we need to talk we need to talk longer or, or, or uh, not wait as long before we uh, have another chat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hope hope so. We'll, we'll make that a goal. I'm hoping to be at the track more often as well. So I'm sure I'll see you down there a lot uh, next year. So yeah, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate you having, uh, having you on here and, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thanks so much. coming on the show today and, and like i had mentioned that was honestly really cool I, I i enjoy having you know every guest that we have on is, is very unique in in its own way and it's obviously so special every time we are able to have a guest on here and i'm able to have a guest come on you know myself and tommy joe's show obviously running it with the nascar driver as well is just awesome in its own way but yeah josh reume the first ever driver i really you know was able to have you know because when i was at racetracks before just wandering on pit road as a kid or you know just three, four years ago, seeing drivers, talking to them, asking a few questions still. But, you know, that was really my first ever interview. I was, I was getting ready for it all day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to interview driver, team owner, Josh Ryum. It's like seven o'clock at night on a Wednesday. I remember I just found the graphic earlier. I pulled it up that I posted on the page. Uh, so that was my first ever interview it lasted a while. Cause that, those were the times where, you know, I was starting to get into interviewing. I never interviewed anybody. Uh, I didn't know you know, how to time constraint either. Uh, I feel like I've learned, I've learned, I learn. you know, I, I kind of say I learn everything every day. Uh, everything evolves over time, over whether it's my Instagram page, this podcast, interviewing the way I go about with just doing stuff, trying to get in journalism, reporting, whatever it is, PR, anything, uh, the sport. I feel like it evolves every day. And that whole interview lasted, I think like a little over an hour. And I had no idea. Like I, I was really supposed to keep it to like 30 minutes and all of a sudden it's like an hour and 15 minutes later. And he's like, and Josh is telling me, Oh yeah. Then I think dinner's already downstairs. I'm like, Oh God. I look at the clock and it's like eight 15 and we started at seven. I'm like, Oh damn. And I'm like, Hey, first interview, you got to start learning the uh, time constraints there. Cause then my second interview is with Anthony Alfredo on Instagram live the next week. And that was only like, you know, I kept that to about five to 10 minutes. So over time, we, we got better to learn what was, you know, too long, too short. And yeah, even on this podcast, we go, we go pretty long sometimes just me and Tommy Joe. So uh, over time, you start learning about keeping everything in, in a time budget, I guess. But yeah, all in all, it was really cool to be able to talk to Josh. Uh, can't didn't count up how many months, I guess, later it would. But basically, a little over a year and a half, uh, Josh, first ever driver, really was able to have a conversation with. And here he is on the podcast now and part of the NASCAR cup series with team Hesemans. 
Uh, so really cool deal they got going next year. And he dropped a few cool things that he said earlier in the show too. A lot of cool things I'll be able to note on uh, this week and in, in 2022 as part of their team. So really glad that he came on here, but I'm going to take this last part of the podcast, talk about some of the recent news and kind of a little preview going into Kansas. We have a lot of stuff going on as far as NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, Xfinity Series playoffs, Truck Series playoffs. Uh, Tommy Joe, I've had a long day at the shop, so wasn't able to make it, but we'll be back next week. We'll see what we do as far as guests and everything like that uh, as we wind down uh, in the season. Got about three races left. That's it. Three races left in the season. So one of the first things we will kind of note on here is John Hunter Nemechek, the winner of the Xfinity Series race, one of the favorites to win the Truck Series Championship this season. It was announced he will be returning to Cowboys Motorsports in 2022. Uh, he will be back there for the full Camping World Truck Series season. So if he wins this year, he could have a chance to repeat next year, and we'll see You know what his schedule looks like, maybe running some more Xfinity Series races as well because, hey, he won it this weekend at Texas. We know that 54 car is very fast. He hops in it for the second time this season and gets the win. And obviously, the 54 car is very fast. John Hernemichek had a great run earlier uh, at Richmond earlier in the season. Uh, well, not early in the season. It was, wasn't that long ago. A few weeks ago at Richmond and was able to have a really good run. Uh, in that 26 car of Sam Hunt, 26 Toyota. So it's part of the Toyota program now. Stick with Cowboys Motorsports for next year. And, you know, I think he's really enjoying it down in the truck series. Hey, collecting trophies. It's kind of what he's resorted himself to. And he's getting them in the truck series, showing them all how it's done. And comes up with the Xfinity series, hardest car to drive in, the, in NASCAR. And he gets the win at Texas Motor Speedway. So great for him. Great for Kyle Busch Motorsports to be able to retain him back because he's really, really built back up their credibility after what is what had kind of been a rough uh, last few years of Kyle Busch Motorsports. It had been the kind of the dominance of GMS, Thor Sport, Kyle Busch Motorsports kind of falling out of the picture. And now John Hernemichek back to being a championship contender and Chandler Smith kind of still uh, in the hunt as well. Uh, hunt for wins running well i think he's come along uh, big time lately chandler smith has so will be fun to watch as we look at the truck series playoffs we have john hunter nemechek we have you know up front they won't be racing this weekend at kansas it'll be the arca finale which i believe ty gibbs has already clinched the championship because there's certain amount of cars i think there's 25 in the entry list and he would have had he's above by 34 points above Corey heim so he'll be able to clinch the championship uh which is great for him sammy smith had won the east championship and he also won the winchester 400 this weekend so shout out to sammy smith he was on davy siegel's show this week um and one thing i'd saw davy noted that sammy smith won the week he had him on the podcast which is i can't remember if i mentioned this in the in the other shows but the week we had jesse love on he went and won the arca national race that week his first arca national win then we have aj allmendinger one he goes wins the charlotte roval and now here we are uh davy gets sammy smith on his show and sammy smith goes and wins the winchester 400 so i think we just got to look around if you want to win a race i guess you have to come on a podcast so i don't i don't think josh rib is racing this weekend but we'll see maybe who's, who's Davey's got on his show this weekend. Um, and maybe they'll go get themselves a checkered flag at Kansas Motor Speedway. So anyways, uh, Ty Gibbs clinching up that championship. We'll know he'll probably be going full-time Xfinity racing next year. 
and opening that Arca seat for Sammy Smith. Or at least that's the belief. So as far as cool stuff for this weekend that I'm kind of looking at, Parker Kligerman is back in the Cup Series. He's making his first start in two years, which was with the team he's racing for, Gaunt Brothers Racing, which has obviously run select races this year. This will be their first mile and a half race of the season. And they've run a, a very, you know, great select of drivers they've been able to run landon castle in a few races this season daytona and talladega harrison burton ran another race at talladega ty Dillon ran at daytona and then the road courses uh so it's been really cool to see you know gaunt brothers racing has kind of just surfed around this year run on a part-time schedule we'll see if they end up doing anything next year but all in all parker kligerman returning uh to the team where he ran a lot for in, in the last few years with Gone Brothers Racing. Had some great runs with that team. It'll be interesting to see the speed they have uh, on a mile and a half track, too, because they've had some speed on, on road courses. They've had some speed on the super speedways. So it'll be interesting to see what they have on the mile and a half for us. Obviously, not going to get in practice, not going to really know what to expect at Kansas. They haven't really run um, a race at Kansas in a little in a, in a minute. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the last one they ran was when Daniel Suarez was their driver. So he'll be racing the cup race. Ryan Ellis, former guest on the show, will be running the cup race. He talked about that when he was on the show a while back. If you want to go see that episode about a few months ago, we had Ryan Ellis on the show. Great episode. Uh, great night, by the way. And he will got the deal with Brickware Racing to run this race because of a run-in they had at, I believe it was Road America. No, it was Mid-Ohio. Um I think it was Cody Ware. Yeah, ran into him. And Ryan Ellis was too happy. And they were like, oh, you can have a cup race then. We got one open for you. So he's going to be running the 15 this weekend. Really cool story. And he's also got another race coming at Martinsville uh, with his partners, Keen Parts. So cool stuff for Ryan Ellis getting started for next year as well. We'll see what he has planned. Nick Sanchez, Rev Racing driver, teammate of Raja Karuth, will be going racing for BJ McLeod Motorsports Xfinity team in 2022, not full-time, but select races. He'll be running full-time in the ARCA series with Raja Karuth, who will be running part-time in the Xfinity series as well for very own Alpha Prime Racing. So really cool to see both of them, you know, get their shots in the Xfinity series on a part-time schedule in the Xfinity series, once again, proving is going to be very loaded for next year. You thought it was great for this year. You wait. You just wait <laughs> until you see that driver team lineup for next year. It's going to be even better, even more competitive. So many great drivers, so many great teams. Uh, it's going to be so much fun to watch the Xfinity Series next year, as it always is, and, and the mystery of what the Cup Series is going to be next year as well. So it was really good to have Josh on here to talk about the next gen car i think he provided some great insight on what the test was and how that went so i think that was really cool uh, if you even want to go back and listen to what he said i feel like he provided some great information about the tests and the parts that team were receiving kind of the approach that they're going to have as an unchartered team obviously running on a part-time schedule and i think he made a great point there is that especially being a new team they didn't want to pursue a charter at first they want to just be careful with it at first obviously be aggressive in the races that they enter they want to be competitive but not be aggressive as far as entering every single race of the season and maybe races they don't need to. Cause obviously when you get a charter, you're obligated to attend every single race of the season. So they do not have to do that. They can enter pick and choose which races they want to. So Loris uh, will likely be the road course driver, as he said, um, and we'll see who they end up putting in the car for the Daytona 500 
as they look like they will attempt the duels, as he just said. I didn't know if that was confirmed anywhere else. I think they were saying they were thinking about it. I don't know if that was a driver's meeting podcast news bomb or something like that, but if it is, let me know because I don't, I don't know. Either way, cool stuff uh, from Josh Ryan. So it's Xfinity Series and Cup Series this weekend at Kansas Speedway, the last Xfinity race of the season. That will be on the big NBC so the cup race is on NBCSN and the Xfinity race is on NBC. I see, I see, I see you NBC. I see, you knowing, knowing what the real deal is this weekend. Yeah. Putting the real deal on the primetime, the big network. I see, I see. Just had to point that out, but anyways, premier series on NBC this Saturday, the Xfinity series entry list looking pretty spicy as usual. You got Bailey Curry back in the 15 had another awesome run last weekend. Bailey Curry, just doing Bailey Curry things. Uh, we love Bailey Curry on this podcast. I think it was really cool. Uh, kind of the story, if you didn't really understand it, basically he was driving the 74 this season. Got a seventh-place finish at Phoenix uh, earlier in the year in the 74 for Mike Harmon racing. We had him on the show that previous uh, – after that race to talk about it. It was really cool. And Bailey Curry now kind of, you know, was, was struggling with funding, stuff like that. The whole team was struggling with funding and, you know, had to get another driver to come in the 74 – uh, for some races and Bailey Curry was able to find a ride with the number 15 was able to talk to him uh, at Talladega about that. And obviously he was really excited to get that opportunity and he has made the most of it, man. Bailey Curry, um, you know, in his races with Nice in the truck series, even Rick Ware in the cup series and then working, he's, he works. I mean, I saw him on Sunday in a Rick Ware suit working for the Rick Ware team, uh, you know, just after he had driven for JD motorsports in the Xfinity series. And even when he wasn't driving for Mike Harmon in the Cup Series, he was still had a Mike Harmon polo on, and he was working on the race cars, just being a your typical crew member, buddy. He was Bailey Curry, so I think that's really cool. I really like to note that kind of stuff when I see it in the garage. I'm able to go to these races, and as I noted, hopefully go into more next year. We got Carson Ware, good old Carson, back in the 17 this weekend for Bobby Dodder, Rick Ware Racing. He's back to the number 17. It's really cool to see Carson back in the seat. And I know some spicy things will be coming for him next year as well. Carson, great guy. Glad to see him back in the car. Patrick Emmerling is in the 23 for Motorsports. Usually he's only run the short tracks for the team, but hey, he's on a mile and a half for the number 23 team. So it'll be interesting to see how he does and how Or Motorsports closes the year in the owner standings, which we'll look at cover in a second. Dylan Lupton, 26, Sam Hunt Racing, was able to get some more races for the rest of the season as well. So really cool for Dylan. Um, who didn't really have anything at the set of the year, but is able to get these races towards the end of the year with Cowboys Motorsports, with Rio Ambrose Racing, Josh Rio, who we just talked to, and Sam Hunt Racing as well. Jordan Anderson in the 31, and Josh Berry will be running next week in the 31 for Jordan Anderson Racing. He'll be defending his Martinsville crown, basically, uh, which I think is a really cool decision by Jordan Anderson, obviously, to have him in that car. So Josh Berry will be going back to back, trying to go back to back in the 31 for Jordan Anderson racing at Martinsville, which anything can happen. You know how talented uh, Josh Berry is there. So that'll be fun to see next week. Um, scrolling down the entry list, Ty Gibbs back in the 54 for Kansas. Uh, that will be a familiar sight to see next year as well. Greg Galdings in the 74, Spencer Boyd's in the 90, Matt Mills in the 99. But overall, going to be a fun race, multi-groove track, Kansas. You can run top to bottom. The Xfinity Series package uh, is always going to put on some great racing with that, and it's playoff time. And I think um, it's going to be very interesting to see 
hey, is Ty Gibbs going to be the top guy in this? He's going to have some experience from the ARCA race um, that he's going to be able to run. So that could play a factor into it. But also the playoffs for the Xfinity Series. Uh, we've had a lot of playoff spoilers happen uh, in the Xfinity Series. We've had more non-playoff drivers win in the playoffs than playoff drivers. AJ Allmendinger has been the only playoff driver to score a win in the playoffs. So he sits right now as the top seed, 30 points above the cut. Austin Cindric below him, 26 points above the cut. But that's when it really gets tight after that. You have Allgaier, plus four. Gregson, plus two. Behind them, Hemrick, minus two. Haley minus six and Daniel Hamrick is a guy that has to look at this track, probably think this has got to be my bread and butter mile and a half racetrack. Joe Gibbs racing usually strong at these types of racetracks in the Xfinity series. And the 18 has been strong at these type of racetracks this season. So Hamrick looking to carry some momentum after it did lead some laps last weekend as well and fight for the lead at a really great battle with John Ernemichak. I mean, who would have thought great racing could happen at Texas. We'll talk about the Texas race uh, right after this as well. Justin Haley sits negative six back to the cut. Uh, but then, you know, we're talking about Jogu's racing. That's when you get a little worrisome for the cars behind there. Harrison Burton back 21 points and Brandon Jones back 32 points. Uh, but the good thing is for them, they can look at the bright side is these next two races, Kansas Martinsville last year, Brandon Jones won Kansas last year, Harrison Burton won Martinsville. So could they win themselves into the next round? Totally possible. But have we seen the speed out of the two cars that we saw last year? I don't think so. So I think it's going to be challenge for Brandon Jones, but you know, when Brandon Jones wins a race, is he really the dominant car though? You know, I feel like, I feel like when Brandon Jones wins a race, it's just like, what the heck just happened? You know, cause at Kansas, I mean, he flew to flew to the front. That win, that, the win Brandon Jones got at Phoenix, that was just King stuff. I mean, he just drove all the way up there and passed Kyle Bush in the 54 to win that race. That was like Eric Amarola, New Hampshire esque, even though he did it before, but uh, you, you get the point. Um, but when Brandon Jones wins, it's usually a wild race and which is totally possible. That could happen in Martinsville. Who knows? So Really cool stuff as far as the Xfinity Series playoffs. Uh, before we get to the cup playoffs, when the show with that, but let's talk about Texas a little bit. So they used the resin. They used the resin this weekend, and I honestly think it really helped. Um, there's only so much you can do with Texas Motor Speedway. I think we've – every time we go to Texas Motor Speedway now, we have such low expectations that we don't really expect a ton. So I felt like this weekend's races were – not that bad. I'm not going to say good because we have low standards for Texas, but they weren't that bad. Uh, the Xfinity series was able to put on some good. I mean, you could put the Xfinity series in a Walmart parking lot and you could have a good race for TV, but um, you know, the Xfinity series, I felt like put on a good race, Texas, that, and that battle between John Arnimacek and Daniel Hamrick was fun to watch. And, and those cars are going so fast watching the Xfinity series cars rip around there, especially when they're battling double file. I mean, they're flying, obviously going faster uh, than the cup cars um, with, with their package, but geez, those cars are flying. Lots of, lots of fun racing was going around uh, during that Xfinity race, but the cup series race obviously was saved by the lack of long runs, but it was an interesting race. The restarts were, I felt like very, IndyCar-esque in a way, I guess, just the way they kind of worked um, and the ability to use the resin as well. I mean, they were able to stick three wide in the corners, which really hasn't been done before. Um, and they were able to do it kind of with the resin product that was up in the racetrack. And 
I thought the racing actually wasn't that bad. It was very exciting uh, towards the end and the restarts. Uh, but obviously that's the goal of the package is to make the restarts exciting and whatever happens in the next 70 laps of green flag run doesn't matter because it's probably going to be single file. Not much is going to happen, but the racing was exciting because we had a lot of events happen at the end, had you on the edge, edge of your seat. Um, and it was really cool to see. Um, but overall felt like solid races, Texas motor speedway, solid weekend. I'm not walking away from it. Like, man, those races were boring and we hate Texas motor speedway in this podcast. We, we don't like it, but I felt like, um, for Texas standards, those were some great, some, some great races, solid races we saw this week. And as far, as far as playoff excitement for the cup series, solid race for the Xfinity series. So that's my review of that. So it kind of reminds me of playoff. Uh, I was kind of, put out a bunch of tweets simultaneously this week of like ideas uh, for NASCAR. And, and one of them was kind of off topic, I guess, what we're talking about. We're going to derail a little bit, but the truck series, I feel like the camping world truck series would benefit more if it had a standard start time, pretty much almost every week, 20, maybe 21 out of the 23 races, standard start time of Friday night at seven o'clock PM. I mean, give or take a few hours, minutes, seconds, whatever you want. I'm just saying seven, because I feel like that would be the most ideal time. I mean, you look at what SRX did, um, having a standard start time, Saturday night, eight o'clock. You knew every night what time the SRX race was going to be. And I feel like I feel like the truck series is the truck series when it is a Friday night race and not a Sunday 12 o'clock race or a Saturday 12 o'clock race, like on a double header with another series and I get travel and all that stuff. But I really feel like if they're going to go in on the truck series, I, I want to bring prestige back to the truck series. Cause I feel like it's lost. It's lost it. And whether that's, you know, the drivers and the series that the events we're scheduling um, how it's being presented, obviously I don't think it's presented in the greatest way on TV. I think it could be presented a little bit better, but I also think that it would benefit from something like that. You, you like every Friday night, seven o'clock FS one, you know that there's going to be a truck series race that night. And also the schedule a little bit too. The schedule could schedule could be altered. So you don't have those super long breaks in the schedule. Cause right now, I mean, there could be some logistical reasons, but do we really need to have an entire month break before the final four cutoff? Um, you know, because I, I just feel like you lose a lot. Like you kind of forget what the truck series playoffs are looking like, especially because the latest winner was Tate Fogelman and the latest race was Talladega. So there wasn't really anything to take away from that race as far as playoffs. Um, and now we're just going into Martinsville and kind of going to have to catch Like I couldn't tell you who the final four is right now without looking at the standings. Cause I'm not channeled into the truck series right now until it comes back uh, from Martinsville. But back to my original point. I really think it would be cool if the truck series Friday night, 7 PM Eastern have one or two races a year where you say, Oh, special start time. Now, like if you're racing at Talladega, you obviously can't race at seven o'clock at night um, unless you really wanted to put headlights on the trucks, but we're obviously not going to do that. Or we could have every, you know, this is my proposal on Twitter. I think every fan should take out their flashlights on their phone and then shine them on the racetrack. I think that would work pretty well, but anyways, all jokes aside, we can move the Talladega race. Like say, Hey, like we got to run this Talladega race, special start time, Saturday 11 or Saturday 12. Cause we, 
can't run it at Friday night. But even if you were to run Sonoma Friday at 7 Eastern time, that would be fine because obviously truck races are shorter and you wouldn't be running into the darkness because of the time difference. So that was kind of my theory that that would work out. The only races that I think the truck series runs um, that don't have lights would be like the road courses like Coda and Talladega. Like that would be it. Um, Pocono too, but like, do we really need Pocono truck race? Like we just go there and wreck like 20 trucks every time we do it. And it's just weird. I don't know. I, I, I never remember the Pocono truck races anyways, but I respect Pocono, obviously, but that's just my idea. I feel like truck series, like have a standard start time. Just make it like Friday night truck races. You designate the Saturdays, the Xfinity series and, and stuff like that. And Sundays, the cup series. And maybe if there's a night where you, cause, cause there's nights where it gets like pushed, like the cups runs on a Saturday night, Xfinity runs on a Friday night. So maybe you could, I don't know, find a way to, to get around that. Or, well, usually when they do that, trucks aren't running, except for when it's at Bristol, they're running on Thursday night. So there's a way to work around it. But that's that's my little truck series rant. Like, I just, I I really prioritize, like, broadcasting perspectives when I look at things. Like, I think the broadcast is a huge part of whether people want to tune in for that event or how much people really get into the event. Like, feel like a lot of people watch the truck races on fs1 and are just either unsatisfied sometimes or you know don't really feel like there's information that should be provided i feel like michael waltrip is a huge asset to the broadcast because i feel like if he wasn't there michael waltrip is a guy that shouts out all the sponsors all the stories behind the teams he knows all the small teams in the truck series he really does a great job of what he does and i feel like he's so important in that broadcast phil parsons too phil parsons needs to be in that booth every week um, but there's definitely things that probably could be better, but that's just, that's my rant Friday nights, 7 PM, almost every single race of the year. Let's have a standard start time for the truck series. That's my suggestion. So moving on, I think I had like one other suggestion that I posted on Twitter. I can't remember what it was. I kind of posted like three things at once. Um, I did just see something while I was looking at it. We do have a lot of rivalries going on. Denny Hamlin, Chase Briscoe are jabbing at each other on uh, Twitter or no Instagram comment section. Obviously, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott still going at it in a way. And um, what was there was one more who, who was beefing at each other. I don't know. Um, but really interesting to see how that kind of carries into a place like Martinsville because you can't. Like, like I said in the past episode, you can't really, like, carry a grudge into a race like Texas or Kansas, like, a mile and a half in today's package. Like, you can't just – you can't wreck anybody without it, like, destroying their race car, blatantly wrecking them. Like, no, they're not sliding around. Like, what are you going to do? Take the, take the air off their spoiler. Like, oh, got you. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to find it. Where did, where did I see? Oh, one of the things about, like, presentation was, was hockey. Like – Hockey is, um, I think, moved to like TNT and ESPN. It feels like it has like a whole different feel. I feel like that's a huge part for NHL, and it could transfer to other sports as well. That was just one of the examples I use of like broadcasting because everyone's getting excited about the NHL regular season. I'm like, you guys, these certain people been excited about the NHL before, but then I realized it was a channel change. Maybe that's part of it. So. Let's see. Oh, here it was. I thought this was really good. We'll wrap up with this one. So we we take, you know, how we're going to the NASCAR. We're taking NASCAR on dirt. We're going to the Bristol dirt short track. What if 
This was my tweet. I'll read it. Quote, what if instead of going on a short dirt track for NASCAR, hence Bristol, we just went on a gigantic dirt track so we can go really fast like the real dirt races? I think that would be sick. Like put dirt on just a giant like oval or something like that. Like just a giant, like a bigger version of like Eldora because dirt races are fun when the cars are ripping around the racetrack. I mean, when you're watching World of Outlaws or even, you know, dirt late models, those cars are ripping. They are ripping around the dirt and they really have to, you know, work the cushion, work the track and NASCAR on the dirt track, Eldora for the truck races had, you know, some dirt tendencies in them. I felt like those were the best dirt races we're at Eldora because you could run top to bottom on the racetrack usually um, and use a lot of dirt tendencies. I mean, you were drifting around, you had to, you know, find, find the cushion, work the track at Eldora, uh, Bristol, Knoxville this year were a mess. I mean, complete mess. Bristol wasn't a dirt race. Um, it was literally turned into old Bristol where you just rode on the bottom single file. Like your car wasn't, your car wasn't even stepping out really most of the time because the track was prepared so badly and it was messing up. But that's what happens when you go to a place that's not meant for a dirt track. Knoxville, obviously is a dirt track, but it just was not ready for a truck race and was prepared. Not very good. Um, whether it was the race structure or just the way the track was prepared hundred percent, that race was obviously turned into one lane after 15 laps. And we know what happened after that. Uh, we wrecked the entire field. So obviously Eldora was the best choice, but I always thought it would be funny. Like, even if this isn't logistical um, is if we just went on a giant dirt track so we could take these, you know, giant stock cars and make them go fast and rip around it. I think that would be really fun. Cause then you could just pull rear. Cause, cause we're not watching NASCAR race on dirt. It's like watching slow motion. I mean, especially Bristol. I mean, you're just limping around. If someone's pulling the slider, it takes like 10 years for them to do it. I always just think that's um, it's different, but it's what makes NASCAR NASCAR. That was, those were my, uh, I guess, two suggestions I wanted to put out there. But we're going into Kansas Motor Speedway. Cup Series playoffs this is the middle race of the round. Kyle Larson is already in the final four. Ryan Blaney plus 17. Denny Hamlin plus nine. Kyle Busch plus eight. Chase Elliott's behind by eight. Brad Kozlowski behind by 15. Drex behind by 22. And Logano looking at it as he is in a must win to get in to the final four, which he could totally do because he's won at Kansas in the same situation. And he's won at Martinsville, too, in the same situation. So Joey Logano has been fighting for a championship uh, more than he hasn't. So I would trust Joey Logano out of all of the four drivers below the cut to get into the next round. So, wait hit, so we'll see what happens. Um, Going to be really interesting to see. So just like I said, Cup Series, Kansas, Sunday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern on NBCSN and the Xfinity Series Saturday uh, on NBC, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern. That's right. Big NBC for the Xfinity series. Make sure to tune in. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode presented by Bet Online. Thanks for Josh Vium for coming on. We'll see you all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.